Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema, for your free 30-day trial. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I am your host, Brian J. Rowan, and with me today to talk about A Wrinkle in Time, we have Michael Snydell. Hello, hello. We also have Bill Graham. Woo! Woo! We are back, following our Red Sparrow review, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk about A Wrinkle in Time, uh, the newest film from director Ava DuVernay. So... Um, we don't, we don't have a lot to talk about previous to that. Um, I feel as though South by Southwest is going on and it is kind of like soaking up a lot of the news cycle. So not a lot of big news coming out. Um, people seem to, there seem to be a few ones out of there. People seem to really like a quiet, uh, quiet, quiet place. Some good stuff. Uh, Ready Player One premiered last night. People have mixed hereditary. Hereditary was at Sundance, too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at Sundance. Yes. Yeah. But, it's but anyway, so those there. are movies that we can talk about in the future. Uh, one of them I'm very much looking forward to. One of them is going to be a challenge. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, podcast at thefilmstage.com. Email us your thoughts. We love to hear from you. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Give us a comment and a rating. Um, Twitter.com slash show. Facebook, search The Film Stage Show. And, uh, of course, if you like what we do here, help us out. Give to our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. For as little as $1 an episode, you could be entered in to win cool stuff in raffles that we have, in addition to being given access to our Slack channel so you can talk to us in real time about all manner of cinematic shenanigans. And, um, of course, as always, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema Movie gives you a new film every day and you have 30 days to watch, so you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 films that you can watch on your mobile device, your laptop, your PC, and your smart TV, which is pretty great. Um, Movie also allows you to download things so that you can watch them on the go, so if you have any uh, travel plans coming up and you're like, my god, do I have to interact with people? No, you don't. Download some killer independent foreign cinema from Movie, and you can live your life in solitude as we all wish to. One of the movies that Mubi will be releasing is uh, Cali Blues. Is that is that the way we pronounce that? I interviewed the director, and I still don't know. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, so you interviewed the director, Michael. Would you like to do a little, little spiel on this movie and why people should check it out? Oh, shit. Uh, you don't have to. I didn't prepare you for this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it uh, debuted at... An, well, I think it debuted at Locarno a few years ago, but yeah, uh, best I caught new director it. There. Yeah, I caught it at uh, New Director New Films uh, out of New York. I saw a screener there, but uh, I guess the thing about it is it's kind of in the vein of a number of like kind of slow cinema, like it's uh, reminiscent of Simon Ling and uh, even Kelly Reichard at times in the way 
that it moves. But I guess the the big thing that people bring up is there is a 30-minute tracking shot in the second act of the film um, that really brings together the film's interesting thesis theses about the way uh, modernism and uh, traditionalism uh, kind of clash and find a harmony. All right. So if that sounds good to you, you can get a free 30-day trial of movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. It is a filmmaker by a poet, so you partly know what you're getting into. I'm not just being vague and <laughs> mysterious about it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so that's it. Um, we're on a reduced schedule today, so you won't be getting a two-hour podcast. So let's not waste any time. Let's talk about A Wrinkle in Time. That was a segue that is terrible, and I did not plan for it, and I take no responsibility. <laughs> this is the newest film by director Ava DuVernay. Written by Jennifer Lee and Jeff Stockwell. It stars Storm Reed, Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, Levi Miller, Derek McCabe, Chris Pine, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, and Zach Galifianakis, as well as a, a couple of other deep bench players. It is Andre Holland, one yes. scene. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I got it. Well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, I was going to say, but he nails it. It also has Michael Pena, who I love. So, deep cast... Good cast, yeah. uh, based on the beloved. Uh, I want to call it a children's novel, but it's it's more. I don't know if it's technically a children's novel. <laughs> beloved novel. Let's let's break it. Let's break it open right now. Uh, did any of y'all read that? No. Okay. If I have, if I have, I was <laughs> moving, too young. I'm too moving young right along. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I have not. My my wife loves it. Um, my friend uh, Caitlin loves it, and they were both trepidatious about this movie because they kind of were of the opinion that like it's unfilmable mm -hmm. I swear we that. tried to get a guest who's read the book I swear <laughs> you it have, just didn't ladies work and gentlemen out. have no idea how hard we tried to have a guest on this who has read the book but uh, uh to, no, to no avail they are they are missing anyway it's about a young girl whose father goes missing and um uh, interplanetary time warping shenanigans ensue. Uh, so here is the trailer. You were a top student, but look at you now. You can't keep using your father's disappearance as an excuse to act out. Is that his work? What's it about? Their dad, he wanted to touch the stars. Imagine that the ant here wants to get to her other hand. The quickest option is to walk across the street. But it turns out a straight line is not the shortest distance between two points. Not if you use a fifth dimension. It's outside of the rules we know of time and space. All right, so that is the trailer for A Wrinkle in Time. Um, this movie premiered this past weekend. It currently sits at number two at the box office, just beneath uh, Black Panther, making this uh, the first time that uh, two films with uh, diverse casts and black creative black directors, talent, yeah. yeah, have really um, have really like dominated the box office. I think ever, crazy. which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. Um, we don't have. I mean, obviously, this is Hollywood. We don't have many. Um, directors of color sure. out there, but I mean, it just feels like it should have happened on accident. <laughs> but 
but uh sure. you know 2018 it finally happened i guess better late than never uh ava duvernay is the second woman of color ever to direct a movie with over a hundred million dollar budget who's the I'm first sure. um, sure was it the black first. panther no it's well, no. first of no. all uh <laughs> not a woman Oh, you said black woman. I'm sorry. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I want to say I, I read uh, Kung Fu Panda 2. Ah. Uh, okay. That's okay. that's co- co-directed. Yeah. Uh, really? Because IMDb it, only has one director on it. Oh. Did she, I think did she ended up one. take... Okay. 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 Gotcha. Because there's, there's been three of those damn things. And so... Uh, and I, I will admit I love them. But yeah, there's... <laughs> three of those damn things <laughs> bill so. bill loves it but still says those damn things um that's fine i say it about my daughter all the time um that's a dark joke for this particular movie anyway Woo! let's move on uh so this is uh, a movie that has been uh, on the offing for a while we've been getting some trailers with some interesting aesthetics it's got a stat cast let's see what we thought about it let's start with the person who saw it most recently michael snydell <laughs> Yeah, I, I got back from it about uh, about an hour and a half ago, maybe. Um, so I I didn't see it with you know a filled cast, but surprisingly for an afternoon showing, there were quite a few people there. But uh, I digress. Okay, so Ava DuVernay is someone who uh, has become kind of one of the avatars for. Uh, representation and for bringing diversity. And so uh, to say that this film has an albatross on its neck kind of feels like an understatement uh, by mere, mere virtue of how Ava presents her uh, her commentary as well as how she works creatively. Uh, this is a, a film that unfortunately has been it's it, it's been strangled by a lot of conversations around representation, which is frustrating on a number of levels, but also frustrating because we can't really just say that this this can't only become a a work of a woman whose blockbuster doesn't work, and uh, this film doesn't doesn't work. For <laughs> for a number of reasons, and I do genuinely think it's uh, interesting, and I don't mean that as a coded word at all, I- interesting in ways that have nothing to do with representation, with the ways it tries to play with larger themes about... <laughs> Uh, about self-love, about trying to understand yourself. That stuff is potentially interesting on paper. But again, going back to that albatross, that kind of uh, condenses a lot of my feelings, is that on a on a uh, scripting level, so much of this film feels by defined by the need to give these characters grand... Uh, qualities, but not arcs and not really characters. Like, like in terms of uh, the main actors that we spoke about a little bit earlier, like people like Oprah and Mindy Kaling and Reese Witherspoon, who play three kind of divine beings, they are less characters than people 
then sorry actors who are defined by their own star power and their like ability to be divine beings and that kind of goes throughout this whole film and it, it falls into kind of the similar problem i had with jennifer lee's screenplay with frozen in that there's not really a second act in that it has a good build and it feels like you're about to wait for an adventure to start and then it just starts jumping uh, way into the future, way into where it feels like all of these relationships should be far more defined. Um, Storm Storm Reed as the lead, I, I think. I, I think she has a career ahead of her. I, I think just in terms of even working with such a some dodgy dodgy writing in this and dialogue, I, I think that she has. A, not only a presence, but a uh, a sense of bringing a humanity to a lot of these scenarios and dialogue that otherwise feel very dry and inhuman. As far as the other child actor, you have Levy Miller, who is mm. enamored <clears throat> with Storm Reed, to say the least. And you have Derek McCabe. Who plays Charles Wallace, who oscillates between not being able to understand him and being the cardboard cutout of the precocious kid, except he's also a major, major part of the movie, so you can't ignore his quips. <laughs> so. <sighs> he is an inciting plot element. He is an inciting plot element in <laughs> Young also Sheldon. Way, way bigger part of this plot than he needs to be. Like, I, I guess what I want to get to is more is uh, more spoilers. But the last thing I'll say is that this movie is not willing to. I, I again, I haven't read the book, but this movie does not seem like it's willing to let it. Uh, be the movie that it wants to be in terms of how it wants to discuss darkness, how in terms of how it wants to discuss the difficulty of, you know, finding yourself or, or finding uh, some yeah, self-love or any of those things. None of those things are given a chance to breathe. It's all wrapped in, in an adventure that has fleeting moments of beauty, but also those fleeting moments remind you how hollow the rest of the experience is. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. And maybe this is truly unadaptable, uh, in such a traditional route, but this, this just, uh, for most of this movie, I kept wondering what, where's the other half of this where's the rest of it um and a few good performances and good intentions and a few gorgeous special effects are are not enough to save this movie for me all right bill graham what about yourself okay um i'll keep this short and sweet um this film decides very early on that it's not going to explain a lot of things. Um, and apparently the book itself is also very kind of vague about a lot of this stuff. Uh, the book is, 
it deals with a lot of kind of shimmer and uh, vagaries around the science and vagaries around kind of the way things happen. And I think it, it works better in, in that kind of narrative sense because it, it leaves a lot to the imagination. And obviously this is a visual medium. And so it cannot leave too much to the imagination. And yet still we get a lot of odd cuts throughout this film. Um, the film is incredibly earnest. It reminds me a lot of Pete's Dragon in that way, where the like the biggest bad guy in this movie is just like a, a thing. <laughs> no, it's it's like a literal thing. It's like it's like a a vague representation of evil. And like that's that's the biggest it's, thing um, that anybody is battling in this film. Right, I don't like want to give it a name. Element or like I don't want to give it a name, Greenland. Michael. Yeah. Well, the movie. Yeah. Well, the, actually, I say the movie, but the 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 book, I guess, didn't give it a name. It literally calls it the it, which means that in the course of a year, we've had two things where the malevolent, all powerful, evil force is just called it. Wow, Bill, okay. I don't think it's yeah, sure. spoilers to say the it. <laughs> Well, I wanted to I, keep I it more know. vague than, than that, right. but that's fine. That's fine. Um, anyways, so this film is very earnest in, in kind of the way that Peace Dragon is because Peace Dragon doesn't really have an antagonist. Um, it's got more humanity as kind of the antagonist, and this film kind of plays that number as well, uh, similar to kind of how Wonder Woman did. Um, and so... This film really wants to wear its heart on its sleeve and just kind of go for it. And I think I am just, A, I'm too cynical for that. And B, I'm just not this film's subject or uh, target audience at all. I think this film will work for a certain degree of, of teenagers and maybe, you know, young adults somewhere in that age group maybe eight nine ten somewhere around there but honestly this this film has kind of been presented as this big budget you look you don't make a hundred million dollar movie and say it's only for eight-year-olds like that's that's not Mm. that's not your goal you know um that's why pixar's for instance sure uh, and paddington is yeah, a Pixar film is obviously a very big budget, you know, uh, film that's aimed at a lot of audiences and it's got a lot to kind of juggle because it's got to nail the kids, but it's also got to entertain the adults along the way. And that's how they've gotten all of this cachet. And this film feels like it hasn't earned any of that cachet and it's just strictly for eight year olds. And, and I look, I understand that that's. That's certainly noble to make a film like this for, for certain young people. And, and at its heart, the message is good, but that doesn't mean that this movie overall is anything but, uh, just grinding my teeth throughout a, what is it? It's, it's a little over two hours. No, and it's, it's just not. like, it's an oh, hour and 47 minutes. It, they pack a lot within that time span. Um, it feels like it goes on forever. Uh, I don't even really <laughs> like the performances that much, to be honest with you. Um, I, I just think that this film just doesn't work from top to bottom. 
it's it's just a, a, a mess. And I don't think, and to Michael's point, he said, you know, maybe this book is unfilmable. This film has so many key moments where it's clearly just not lining up its ducks, right? And it's just, like, there's so many clear and obvious things that it could have done differently that would have worked so much better, and it just doesn't. And so I'm I'm not sure what's at, at what point this film went went awry, but it definitely did. Yeah, so I'm going to start off my my review by uh, acknowledging the fact that um, I am a white man who is now mm-hmm. 30 years old, and um, so I am not. Uh, there, there's a there's a certain part of me that's like I don't have any reason to talk about this movie, uh, but I saw it and I get paid to like a super minuscule amount, but enough to make me feel obligated to. <laughs> Um, here's the thing. I'm going to plug real quick a review that basically says everything that I'm about to say. Um, it is uh, on Slash Film, and it is by Monique Jones. Josh Spiegel? Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Um, Monique Jones, who is a woman of color. Um, it's a Wrinkle in Time spoiler review. A heartbreaking misfire with a powerful burden. Um, and basically, she, she says the movie's a mess, and... It's unfair that this movie has to get saddled with as much as it does. For instance, sure. being one of the more diverse mm-hmm. blockbusters that we're going to see, um, you know, just in terms of like the the three primary children characters are all from three different ethnicities, which is great. Um, the three women, uh, spiritual, elemental, universe beings, um, are also women of different uh, ethnic backgrounds. Like, fantastic! I wish. I wish this could just go away and people be like, okay, that was fine, but we're going to give another chance. But right, like, that's, that's well, not that's, what this that's can That's kind of what I was going to say. And that what this, what this review makes a point of saying is it is unfair that because we have so few of these, um, yeah. this has to carry so much more. Because if this weren't sure. such a rare thing, then I could sit here and say that this movie is poorly scripted, incompetently directed, and almost universally poorly acted. And it wouldn't sound like a a slam on anything in particular. Um, I will co- I will couch my criticisms um, thusly. Uh, this movie is like if Tim Burton and um, oh crap, I just had his name in my head. Um, <laughs> I hate this. Come, um, come on, y- yeah, you're right. a uh, director. Give, of three give me something. Give me. Some- Oh, uh, Gilliam? Terry Gilliam. Yeah, okay. Terry Gilliam. If, yeah. if, yep. if yep. Terry Gilliam yep, yep, yep. and Tim Burton got together and took a drug that brought out all of their worst impulses, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Mm-hmm. Hyde style, and then had a baby, uh, this movie would be directed by that baby. And, like, I, it, it's it, the, the act of watching this movie for me, like, I hated watching this. I'm not going to say I hated the movie. But I didn't like that I had to watch it because everything it was doing bugged me in a certain way. Um, and the hilarious thing is that I saw this on a Sunday night with a fairly crowded theater. And behind me was a girl and her mother. Um, mm-hmm. I live in a predominantly African-American county in Maryland, uh, just outside of D.C., which is a majority African-American city. And so the majority of my uh, audience was also African-American. And the little girl behind me is now my favorite person in the universe because she was having none of this movie's shit. 
And, <laughs> and her mom was like helping her to drag this movie as it was happening. And I was just like, I wished my daughter was older so that I could be like, hi, uh, I sat in front of you during this movie and I need you all to become friends with my daughter so she can be half as cool as you. Um, Except it, there were a lot of people who were super affected by this movie. Like that right, is worth which saying. Is, which is great. I'm, I, as a child, I liked a lot of bad movies. And that's a mm-hmm. thing that you, we, all, we all did. You know, somewhere out there is a kid who goddamn loved North with Elijah Wood and Bruce Willis. Um, but I should hope that that child would grow up and see that even though that movie was great for them and maybe like specifically touched something in their life, uh, in the instance of North, maybe it's feeling like your parents don't care about you, but learning that they really do. Um, but that in the end, the craft behind it was bad. And that you just weren't old enough to understand that. And so you were connecting with the parts that you did understand. But this movie, like, between the utter lack of rules, um, the complete mm-hmm. and utter lack of stakes or objective, like, the, the, the movie has, like, yeah. a super simple premise, which is, like, a girl wants to find her dad. But the crazy thing is that, like, for the first th- two-thirds of the movie... This girl doesn't seem to want to work for it or believe that she can (laughs) or even understand what's happening to her, even though every scene maintains some level of exposition explaining that to her. Her little brother understands it so much that he does nothing to help her. So you have this strange narrative device where there's one actor who is extremely young and a, I just, I, I hate to, I don't want to be mean to a kid, but is a terrible actor and he he is the one who's like, oh, I got it. Everything makes sense to me. I'm just going to go along with this. And then his sister has to be like, Charles Wallace, what is going on? Where are you? Like, why are you talking to another weirdly dressed woman in such a way? And and he's just like, it's okay. Everything will make sense. But it never does, Charles Wallace, because no one Mm-mm. ever explains it well enough. And Mm-mm. Storm Reed, God bless her, is she, she's got a movie star face, like an old school movie star face. Kid could carry a silent fi- picture. And she does what she can. I agree with Michael. She rises above the material. Levi Miller <laughs> would play like an extra in a Steven Spielberg film really well because he's got great eyes and a great face of awe and wonder. But the only that- thing I've ever seen that kid in, the last movie I saw with him was a movie called uh, Better Watch Out from the end of last year, where he's a sociopath. So Makes it was sense. weird going Dude, from that to this. There wasn't had, much of a difference. <laughs> he had a young Dexter energy to him, like a, a serial killer. Mm-hmm. The way that he would just follow um, Meg, the character played by Storm Reed, and stare at her and then compliment her was yeah. utterly disturbing. I just yeah, want, I kept wanting to terrifying. scream at the film, like, get out, <laughs> run away. <laughs> um, I saw him in Pan, and I liked Pan. I You want to hear something crazy? About like movies with bananas aesthetics Whoa, and a poor story. <laughs> I enjoyed Pan, and this movie I just could not wrap my brain around. And I think that the aesthetics are deeply like for me they were just alienating, um, and they never really cohered into a single world aesthetic vision. Um, the planets that we go to didn't feel like are other deeply planets boring in our yeah first of all they're they're really boring uh they don't feel like planets within our universe which is a problem because then it makes it feel even more like a fantasy film when it's sure. technically supposed to be science fiction i guess 
with some like uh really like bleached spiritualism that we can get into but just like nothing in this movie works to the point where like the first time Reese Witherspoon is introduced the camera like does a tilt zoom towards her yeah lands on her for like a half second and then cuts to a mid shot and I was like well what was the point of doing that the like, first 45 minutes of this is framed like a like a chamber drama oh my which, god like Every, I know that's her bread and butter but like it was just odd <laughs> it was it was weird to have these people standing in these vistas and then have every conversation be comprised of nothing but, but single character close up yeah. shots. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Thank weird you. Another choice that I need to know if you guys noticed, because towards the end of the movie, it made me feel like I was going insane, was <laughs> this thing that kept happening where the it kept cutting away from whoever was talking. There was just there were so few scenes where a character finished a sentence with the camera still on their face. It was, sure, sure. And it, yeah, it just no. it, it it was just another one of those things where it's like this isn't helping me to understand things. I don't need to see Levi Miller playing Calvin. D- this movie wonders. This movie. Again. Yeah, it feels like it's been cut to shit. Like it just it just feels like they had thirty cameras and mm. and every fifteen seconds someone was like, let's do another cut. Let's let's do another cut. Let's get from another angle and let's right. let's play something crazy with this and this so camera editing, angle. Yeah. That editing, which uh, you know, I don't know. I you know, I could usually say in like a Martin Scorsese film or a Quentin Tarantino film, the the, the relationship between editor and sure. um, and director. I don't know what it's like in this film. I don't know how much the studio might have meddled. We didn't hear anything in the trades about it. And the trades are all over nowadays, you know, directors getting projects taken away from them. But the Absolutely. the camera work and the framing and then mix that with this weird frenetic editing, it just created this unmoored sensation where like a scene would go on and I would have no idea what it was building towards. And then we'd be somewhere else. And I just, I was so disengaged. I had no idea sure. what was happening. And then... I like the movie kind of like stumbles down a staircase into a, an ending <laughs> and I yeah. really didn't like Oof. watching this. And I, you know, people say like it's for children and it does have like a, a decent ish message um, about like loving yourself, but I don't know how that plays into the story. It, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the plot like it it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that helps anyone at any point and in fact the the finale seems to say that your your greatest power is to love other people and it doesn't doesn't really matter who you are and so that just was confusing and i just think every now and then now that i'm a father i think about what kind of movies i'd like my daughter to see as she's growing up so like i i can't i just wouldn't show her this cuz I don't know that I even understand what the message is. I, if that's the case, then I don't think that it delivers its message well, and I just don't want to have to like explain that to her. The little girl behind me was not impressed, and I trust her judgment. I would take her to every movie with me. Um, you know, I, I think about, and I'm not against kids' films that are like seemingly not geared towards adults at all. Sean the Sheep movie made my top uh-huh. 10 that year and there's not a stitch of dialogue in that movie um 
that you know Paddington is 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 brilliant. Uh, a lot of Pixar films are are gorgeous. I would show my daughter Inside Out in a heartbeat because sure. that movie seems like it will help her develop her emotional acuity and empathy really well. Um, Tomorrowland covers the concept of being like a young woman who is like all about science and has hope and wants to usher humanity towards a brighter tomorrow. This movie made me retroactively like a lot more fond of Tomorrowland. And maybe I just need to see Tomorrowland again to remember the kind of train wreck that that was. But in terms of like pure filmmaking craft and delivering a similar ish message with also similar aesthetics in certain ways, like I feel like that movie tops this one pretty handily. I just, I I think that there is, I, I think there's a number of ways to kind of talk about the the lack of of message in this movie. I sorry, I I, I interrupted because I wanted to specifically meant, talk briefly about what you said about Inside Out, Bren. Because mm-hmm. I, I did think about Inside Out, and I was thinking about Paranorman as well uh, at different times during this movie because I kept realizing that this movie. It seems to – when I was – to be more specific about what I was saying when I was saying it, it's unwilling to engage with this idea of lightness and darkness. As you think about Inside Out, and Inside Out has that wonderful message about the idea that even, you know, your happiest moments have a tinge of sadness and things like that. Right, and, that and sadness isn't something to be, like, avoided. Sure. And, and A Wrinkle in Time, like, creates these – as just binaries because it seems to be unwilling to show what actual grief would be like other than like light bullying and like, Oh, a father's yelling at a kid about his grades. Like there's just such a weird sense of, uh, softballing it in a way Mm -hmm. that even the other, you know, like Disney reinventions, like I, Bill already mentioned Pete's Dragon, but even something like Jungle Book or Beauty and the Be- uh, Beauty and the Beast is garbage. But uh, even something like Jungle Book, like I don't feel like they're, you know, it's a, you know, five spoonful of sugar with the sour. Like it, it's yeah. not that sense that the dark. Like it's so weird that so much of this movie is paying lip service to this idea of darkness without actually being willing to, willing to show it to us. And like I think the, that to, to that end, Michael, I, I, there's the, the darkness in this movie never feels allegorical in the, oh, the way that I would assume that the book made it. Um, sure. You know, like, I, one of the, like, like you have all these, like, like the lion, the witch and the wardrobe, is like a Christian allegory, but like mm-hmm. it, it is an allegory. Like I don't believe that somewhere there's a, a land with an ice queen and a talking lion. Like those are easily graftable. But the darkness here, it doesn't seem like it's attracted to and amplifying negative emotions. It feels like it just creates them whole cloth. Like the Oprah. Has that's that. what the film. That's what the film is kind of positing. It, right. Is, is sure. they? This is the reason that these people are being mean. And right. it's like it's not. It's not like the darkness no, is drawing from their meanness. It's that the darkness yeah. is issuing it. But it, yes. it also completely fails in that sense when 
exactly as you're saying, Brian, though, because it does seem to also be like not even getting into spoilers. It's like, oh, we need this character. Like, like even I don't even know the darkness's objective. Like, oh, it seems it is, to. Uh, we need to go into spoilers to talk about it. I, yeah, yeah, the darkness I, is deeply yeah. flawed as a character. Let's, let's, let's I, turn I just, right. Let's turn right. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So what I'll say um, is, so th- there's a similar character in in the Fifth Element. Um, <laughs> it is literally a planet that is just made of like lava, and it is it is called pure evil by a weird priest character in that movie. Um, but that that you know still makes sense because it's like it wants to destroy the earth because it's pure evil you know i guess if i was pure evil i would destroy all life on a planet too that makes sense to me but like this the the darkness here doesn't seem to be like attempting any objective and thus everything that it does throughout the course of the movie is without reason i again i want to i want to turn right to harvest like things it's weird it's Okay, we could turn right. Um, so <laughs> I, I just I don't know. I feel like I've I've hit the peak and I'm just riding the roller coaster down into wanting to yell about the final thirty minutes of this movie. I I, I know, I know, I know. I do too. Don't worry. We'll get to it. All we'll right, get well, to Bill, it. Um, <laughs> you yeah. Did you have any? I think we can probably wrap up the non-spoiler section. Me, did you have a final thought? Let, let me let me touch on a couple of things. Um, one for a hundred million dollar movie. This this looks like. 50-ish. Um, the special effects are not given the the credit they really kind of deserve. At one moment, a character's transformation is literally cut away from and then cut back to. And mm-hmm. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Odd choice, I've, yeah. I've, I've witnessed Transformers on the screen. And you know <laughs> what? Michael Bay, at the very least, gave me as like my childhood on screen was like, no, I'm not only going to focus on like Optimus Prime transforming, but I'm literally going to have someone basically like mechanize each like movement so it actually like moves a car part around and then it actually physically is on the body like this is a literal thing that he's like no i want it to be a physical manifestation that's real like i want you to be able to like track the body parts and like as much as you can dump on the transformers movies they the transformation of the title is is pretty good yes they are fantastic and and that that movie wears its money on its sleeve and this movie seemed almost shy about the fact that it was an expensive movie and i'm not sure if that's ava or if that's someone else i'm not sure what's going on there but like i said there's this big it should be this swelling like emotion filled transformation and all of a sudden it cuts away and it's getting like character reactions to this transformation that they're witnessing and you're seeing the shock and awe on their face and then it transform it like cuts back and then you see the transformation finally done and you're like Ooh. and the parts of the transformation <laughs> show, that you see show previous it. to cutting away are like a a, a low rent Cirque du Soleil yeah no Just it's it's not reasons. even it's it's not it's not worth even showing it's yeah. it's so confusing and that's kind of like that in enti- this entire film kind of as a bubble is that 
it's it's so frustrating because at sometimes it's beautiful and at sometimes it's just so frustratingly cut around and confusing and you don't know why it's doing the things it's doing and it's, it's focusing like you're saying it's beautiful in a way that reminded me a lot of Avatar, which is a movie that I did not particularly like. In, in just yes, the way that it's well, like, I, I understand that you've created this beautiful place, but I don't understand how this operates. Like, how is this even? Well, what is this even doing? There's, there's even a moment like on that first planet when, as soon as they arrive, the kids just go crazy and they're like running around like crazy, and you're like, "Have you never seen a green field before? What's, what is this film even like? Like, there's nothing magical about what's actually happening on screen at that moment. It's just like a big rolling hill." planet and you're just yeah, like it does, it does yeah. not look appreciably what are y'all more marvelous doing? than like the, the the area x and annihilation yeah no n- n- not even not even close like like there's not even a shimmer <laughs> like I, yeah. I don't i don't get it i do want to speak briefly about this i i don't I, this is not a defense but i just want to say it's something that relates to your point bill i i mean i do think that that type of shot of something kind of magical and surreal happening in front of someone and watching the faces particularly, that does strike me very much as an Ava move. Now, with that said, I think there are a number of things in this film that are kind of trying to reach some elemental level and trying to reach into a sense of tradition. Like, you even think of uh, Chris Pine's monologue that granted goes nowhere but where he talks about how think of all uh the things that happen had to happen in the universe to make you i understand mm-hmm. that's a that's a <laughs> that's a very earnest monologue but it is something that also feels very much ava to me but then going back to what bill said is that like and and going back again brian to what you're saying about the medium shots and the endless close-ups is that the themes are not reinforced there. Any of these choices that are made on a visual, on a visual sense are not then reinforced on some thematic level. Like there, there's no, uh, there's no real idea about whether things are supposed to be mundane or whether they're supposed to be surreal or, you know, how, how even Storm Reed's character is feeling other than the fact that she's in pain at, at being uh, transported to each of these places. Mm-hmm. There's just this, it, it, it seems like there is an attempt to translate like a very internal feeling of all these characters. And I say attempt because I don't think this works, but this was my interpretation of some of these things that didn't work is that this was an attempt to make this a more internal experience. But then it's kind of weird because parts of this are also not that far from something like the fountain, which, you know, is entirely about eye candy and is entirely about allowing you to just watch the images for long periods of time. And this doesn't revel in its images. It, It doesn't. Everything is about goosing the energy or moving from one place to another or going to another place to talk to someone. And it's not ever like you're supposed to appreciate the craft because it's also supposed to constantly be about these three kids who can't hold the movie on their own. 
again, I guess I'm getting into a lot of things here, but that was at least my interpretation of what they were trying to go for there. Well, I mean, the whole movie has, it's a very internal movie. Uh, What we can, what I'll say in a non-spoiler way is that like one of the reasons that the villain is (laughs) the it um, and the it resides on a planet called Kamazots, I guess. I kept mixing those two up for a while. I wasn't sure which begat which. If you know what Tesser is, you better be able to tell me in the the spoiler section. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't think I do. Um, So, but so Kamazots, I believe, is a planet and the it resides within or around this planet and snakes its tendrils out. Um, So, but the reason that it's so ethereal is because, yeah, this is a movie that's super internal. But again, (laughs) <laughs> I kept thinking during this movie, this should not be a live action film. Um, this should be animated. Give it the same, give it the same, or you know, maybe a little more of a budget. Just animate the freaking thing, and don't hire kids to be the children voices. You know, hire some adults and get a good voice performance, and then animate a child's face because I, you just can't, you can't, you can't work around the limitations of a child actor in that way. Um, I don't expect us to like kidnap our children's actors, parents so that they can do it method. Um, but like, there's just such a, you know, between Levi Miller's catatonic psychopathy and storm Reed struggling against a terrible script that can never seem to decide whether she's like uh, spunky and adventurous or just like, just super chronically depressed and self-defeating it's hard it's hard to know and and i and i just feel like that that you know you could get the more wonder out of it if you had like the ability to animate like a strange world but again i come back to the fact that this movie isn't saying you've transported to narnia where animals can talk this is a movie saying Mm -hmm. you've gone to another planet in the universe and so i feel as though the laws of the universe ought still to apply. And so when you have floating flying flowers and cabbage dragons. Who speak through color. Yeah, which is fine. That's a fine uh, thing. Like uh, cuttlefish uh, kale, do that. kale, 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 flying kale. kale? Come right, on. It's, I'll call it kale. Yeah, like flying kale. Anyway, flying so, but kale. Like, there's just a bunch of things that like, I, I was just like, this is too fantastical and thus it's divorcing me from keeping this in, in the grounded way that it needs to, in order for me to really connect with these characters on a human level, which I know might not be a thing that children need to worry about, but I don't think we should talk down to children, you know, Yeah, (laughs) we can keep it real and still get it. And especially because if your movie's message is love yourself for who you are, and then that will help you love the world. Mm. Fine. That's a super simple message. You don't have to dress it up quite as much as you have. And, you don't have to hide it behind a, a character who only quotes people, which I know is from the book because I asked my wife, um, and all this other stuff. Like, you could strip mine this thing for the interesting ideas about physics and science and spirituality. But there's mm-hmm. no spirituality in this. Like, lightweight and, and there's hardly there's, and, there's hardly even, like, science talk in this movie, which is, which is sure. truly frustrating. Sure. Because, I would love to because, talk about the one scene where she puts her science to use. Uh, no, we, we, will, we, will, we will put a pin in that for now. Um, we got to get to spoilers, Bill, because you said you had I know, a limited I know. amount of time, I, I, and we are... 
I, I know, I know, I know. I want to, I want to mention two things. First, uh, at no point do we actually see uh, Storm or her her character Meg actually be smart, um, which was really frustrating. Except for like random moments when she's just like, "No, trust me, I I know what I'm doing," and you're just like, "Do you?" Because this whole movie has been about you not knowing what you're doing, and all of a sudden you do in this crisis moment, and. Like, so we see her kind of open up with this science kind of thing that she's doing with her father, and then it cuts to her like four years later, right? And she wakes up and she's like putting on her sh- her sock like a normal human being, and I just wish there was something in that room that just made you realize like, oh, like maybe there's like a sock robot that puts on her sock for her, or be like so- a Wallace and Gromit type of thing. Something, something that she like show us that she's not just normal well, everyday you know Meg. You know, like you know show us that she's, that, she's got this like in the trailer, they have her explaining the concept yes. of like folding the fabric of time. And, and, space and that's what I was going to mention. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention. Like, like they have all this cool visual, like, like the trailer was much, well, you know, <laughs> sure. Yeah. The trailer was much better than this film. And like the trailer gave me this sense of like awe and wonder. And I was like, whoa, they're going to like go for it. Right. Because like this is a two and a half minute trailer. I can't imagine what's going to be in this movie and cut to 10 times its length. And I'm still like, Boy, I can't wait to see what's in this movie. <laughs> Just like what? Yeah, no, because like, that that scene is removed from the movie itself. So we have like teachers and stuff saying, "Oh, she used to be such a smart girl," and like, but her brother apparently is a fucking genius. There I go cursing during a review of a kids movie again. Um, but her, her right. brother's apparently a genius, and we don't really get a lot of that from him, other than his little word of the day thing, which gets dropped twenty minutes in. And the fact that he can do multiplication tables we, at the same point. Um, yeah, yes, we don't know how old he is, but he's playing like an eight-year-old, and he's like 12 or something like that. Oh, so, is it, whoa, is that it? I thought that he was like five years old. <laughs> something like I, that. I yeah, he's. Know. <laughs> yeah, he, it's it's weird. He's he's playing younger than he is, and it's it's very noticeable that he's like an older kid that's supposed to play like because he should not be in the same school as as his sister like his sister is like a full-grown child and he was just adopted that like, is such a weird a full-grown child um <laughs> yeah i don't, I know, don't like that <laughs> he um it's it is it's one of it's one of those I don't, there's bound to be a school somewhere where like i don't know she could be she's like 13 in this yeah but she should be advanced too shouldn't she <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's they, there's so little time spent on earth. And like what we get is purely like these two kids getting just the shit bullied out of them by yeah. both students and teachers. <laughs> the teachers in this movie and, and even the principal, the principal. are just yeah. viciously evil and mean to a degree that I was like, when, when they cut to the Oprah explaining the darkness, I was like, Oh, is that why they live in a town of sociopaths? <laughs> but I don't think it is. But maybe it is because apparently the reason that uh, what's his name, Calvin uh, Levi Levi's character, is like the way he is, is because his dad yells at him, and his dad apparently is infected by the darkness. But like, 
I don't know. And I, I want to see the end of this movie where he like kills his dad. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say something about how how his arc ends, but I we're not in spoilers. Can we please go to spoilers? We're not in yes, spoilers. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> All right, here's the thing. We're in spoilers now. We're definitely in spoilers. Calvin ends this movie by saying, I've got some things I need to say to my dad. I can't believe I had to go across the universe to to figure out it. We need to talk about Calvin. I was like, you know, Calvin, um, I'm not sure what your arc in this movie was. What did you learn? He didn't learn anything because he didn't even go on half of this journey. Towards the end of this movie... Meg, Meg's father and him like fucking disappear. And you're just like, yeah, wait, Meg's dad who, who decided to like, he, he did the proverbial, I'm going to step out for a pack of cigarettes and never came home. He's like (laughs) watching his wife and their new, newly, wait, yeah, this kid is like five (laughs) years old because I'm telling you, I'm telling you like this kid is, is super young. Yeah, Charles Wallace is like five or six years old because he is watching his wife bottle feeding him before he steps through the thing, the the fold when he tessers uh, to to the, the first world. Yes, but so into the tesseract. Yeah, yeah. I guess he creates a tesseract, which is a fi- fourth dimensional object. Yeah, well, I mean, the anyway, they don't movies it. already already did all the heavy lifting there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so anyway, um, so yeah, the kid has got to be like five or six years old because he's still getting bottle fed. And I don't care who you are. Uh, you Doctor know, Who is more coherent about universe travel. Yeah, I mean, well, the movie, you know, they don't even say like, so what you're going to do with your mind is you're going to create a I, first. I don't understand why the mind is the thing that does it, because I feel like even if either. you want to create a fifth dimensional object or a fourth dimensional object that allows you to travel like that, you need you'd need some force to do it. Like I can't open a door with my mind. I still need to move through three dimensional space to do it. So they don't explain that. Yeah, but that's and- fine. I'm willing to accept that. But what's crazy is that it seems like he does it with a machine the first time. He's like mm-hmm. tinkering with a machine that has like a little pinprick of light. Then he watches his wife uh, bottle feed their newly adopted son. And he's, uh, and then he turns around and he's like, love is the frequency and then walks through. So I guess like, Here's the thing. I know a lot of people make fun of Interstellar because of um, the speech that is given where um, what's her face? Anne Hathaway is like, you know, maybe the reason that I'm drawn to this other, maybe the reason I'm in love with this guy, maybe the reason I still feel that love, even though I'm sure that he's dead is because that's like a force moving across the universe. That's telling me that that is the right planet for us, which is a crazy thing to say as a scientist, but I was, I bought it in that movie, but in this, I don't even understand what love is. The frequency means like, it's not like, it's not like you can't tesser unless you have love. They keep talking about light being necessary to tesser, which I guess means that the, it is just moving normal speed through the universe. Even though darkness moves faster than light. Oprah tells us hard to know. Can't say, but yeah, I mean, Calvin, Calvin's just like, I've got some things to say to my dad. And it's like, did you really have to learn how to say like, dad, stop fucking yelling at me. And like the, all, all that Calvin does towards the end of the movie is nearly get them killed like twice. Mm-hmm. One yeah, by one because he's, with a creepy he's, Stepford wife. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he's, he's, he's too dumb to realize that he's before. eating sand. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to ask a very simple question, and I would like to see if anyone can answer. What is the darkness going to do with either her dad or... It doesn't even seem like it wants her dad, but what is it going to do with her brother? Like, what is the end game? The brother also keeps saying that they want her, which I guess means that she's also kind of smart and they want her, but, like, it's not well, like I, they're building a bomb. I, 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 Brad, this isn't necessarily an answer to your question, but I do... This comes back to something I was kind of confused about, is, like, it it often, when she's on the... Kazmatov? Is that what it's called? Kazmatov? Uh, Holy shit. Repeat after us. When they're on the Kamazots planet, like, it seems like the movie is trying to find this middle ground between, like, this being a state of mind and literally a place that exists. And I think by trying to do both of those, it has no idea how to answer that question. Like, like, it, it it doesn't seem like like it seems like she's almost in a bad dream. Like that's the sensation that seems to be going. But again, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like the climactic moment of the movie. So it's just like this other disconnect that you wouldn't think about in almost any other circumstance. But because of this, you're even more like, wait, what's happening and why is the movie over? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, l- let me yeah, let so me I'm posit confused. something that I learned. Um okay. So so at the end, there's this big set piece where Meg is basically fighting her evil brother slash yeah, it's like less taken over possessed. It's a, less, it's a less affecting version of the climax of Paranorman. Yeah. Yes. Well, and throws her clone specific- off, a, off a cliff. <laughs> more specifically, <laughs> more specifically, it's the climax of Guardians of the Galaxy two. Yes. Um, so this this is supposed to be a visual brain, and at no point did I actually understand that this was a brain i can now realize that like the things that meg was being hit by and kind of the visual behind like behind in the background is like synapses and like all of that stuff but yeah that was supposed to be a brain that they were like all of that was taking place in but this film doesn't actually do any work to like land that visual except for like He says, like, it's the darkest mind in the universe or something. And at that point, I was like, I guess those do kind of look like synapses. Yeah, well, that's a lot of heavy lifting for a child to do. (laughs) And if this film is... You gotta just give this friggin' thing to Leica and let them do a stop-motion animation. You basically just mash up a little bit of Coraline with a little bit of Paranorman. Sprinkle some Kubo and the two strings on it, and you got wrinkling oh. time. <laughs> Spoilers. For, 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 I guess, for all of those movies. No, no, because you said the name Kubo and the two strings. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I hate you so much, right? <laughs> um, Anyways. Yeah, I get but This movie's dumb. <laughs> I, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if it's... I don't want to call it dumb because that's that feels reductive in the way that calling mm-hmm. something like boring is reductive. But like, I do feel like it's super misguided or like muddled. It, it, yeah, muddled is good. It doesn't have its attention in the right place. It's um, you know, it's just like, uh, and then I'm just confused about all the rules. Like, she is in she 
she can't test her because she's not in love with herself or she doesn't appreciate herself. She keeps saying she can't see anything while they're tessering. She comes out in pain and everyone else is like, oh my God, I feel like I'm on a drug. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm like, all right, so she's got some issues she's working through. and But then she is, she is able to, through her sheer force of will, fuck up two other people's tessers. She gets them yeah. sent to Kamazots. Um, Kamazots. Kamazots. I know it sounds a bit bizarre. Anyway. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I'm singing Camelot from Richard Burton. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she gets them sent to Kamazots, and the, the, the three women... The Mrs. Mrs. Witches. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Witch, Witches. Mrs. What's It, and Mrs. Who. And, and they're like, oh, hey, you brought us to Kamazots. This place is super evil. Um, so our no, power's they, fading. They, so we're going to bounce. They, they literally can't be there. And so, and so they're not actually taken there. They have to like, like transpose themselves or I don't, I don't even know the verbiage. Uh, they have to basically like, like project themselves all the way to Kamazots, which they just mentioned that they couldn't necessarily do. And then they do it. And so you're just like, wait, huh? How, why are you here? And they're right, like, oh, they're by like, the way, we have, there. we have, we have too much darkness. And then they're there. Yeah. And, and, and then they're like, oh, we have three things to, uh, to tell you, to leave you with. And then they all tell Meg something. And you're just like, are the other characters even here right now? What's well, that's like, the... <laughs> so another <laughs> they're only this... talking to Meg. Another way that this movie is confused is Reese Witherspoon's like, we should just take Charles Wallace because Meg is kind of a bummer. And everyone else is like, no, let's take Meg along. She'll be great. But then they almost immediately start treating Meg like she is the most important person. Sure. And I don't know why. Because uh, you know, she's and like, a warrior, whatever that But means. they're all warriors. Just like, why is Curie part of that? The woman who discovered radiation and like, was that a good thing? I don't know what don't they, know. when when they name other human warriors, yeah. they're like, um, I almost said Malcolm X. Gandhi, That's not right. they say. Gandhi, uh, yeah. Uh, and then they Buddha. they say Buddha Curie. Um, Curie is kind of an odd one, as I think about. Wait, didn't she discover some medical breakthrough as well, other than radiation? Though I guess like radiation is used in the treatment of cancer, and like. Yes. Other, other things like that, so that it's possible. I think it's and, and bombs, I don't know. but no worries. <laughs> I, I kept expecting them to say Jesus, and they didn't, which I don't know why that's well, weird, but they also don't say it in the book, and and they oh, go I've through a very book, similar. So. Yeah, well, they I've listened to a couple of podcasts since, um, and they were mentioning how a lot of people were really confused by that because someone Mm. was basically mentioning that Narnia is in a lot of Christian bookstores, but you rarely see uh, this. Yes, even though a lot of them have kind of similarities in in what they're kind of messaging and stuff like that, Um, but yeah, they they mention a bunch of. Like, you know, people that you would have reverence for. And a lot of people reading the book are like, "Uh oh, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. And then they don't say Jesus. And you're like, wait, what? What is this book? <laughs> and so well, it's, it's, it's it kind of plays fast and loose with that. So Melissa Wilkinson got into this a little bit on her Vox review. Because she used from, to from, be at 
Christianity today. From my understanding, the book has like Christian overtones. Yes. And yeah. all of that is completely stripped away. So, which, yep. To me, like it. And I'm not going to, like, you know, I, I'm not going to say, like, they should have kept the Christ in a wrinkle in time. But I think that the movie could have. He could have benefited from a little bit of that. Like, if not honestly, it, it then at does least some manner of religious awe. Like, you know, like it, say it, like the it, creator well, hold on, hold or on. some nonsense. It's it's got it, Brian. It's got does Oprah it, in it. It wait, did you say did you say it's got Oprah? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh it's got Oprah um, in it. It's it's I mean, literally but, got a 30 foot Oprah. Like, can you imagine anything better? <laughs> and they quote Rumi, so, who's yeah. a great poet, and um, and he had a lot of interesting thoughts on religion. One of my, I, I, I'm going to butcher this quote, but it was like one of his, one of his. Favorite, they also call my favorite, quote one of my Friday. favorite things that Rumi said was um, like all religions are rays of the same sun that is God, and I think you could have brought that that angle to this movie, and that might have given hmm. the the darkness a little more existential heft. Mm-hmm. Because I'm just imagining, like, I, I have to now imagine, like, when my when my daughter's old enough to really interact with uh, with media in a way that she's going to start asking questions like I used to, the questions from this movie is going to be something like, so there's a, a, a an it that's causing all the people to be mean? And I have to be like, well, no, um, people are mean for a number <laughs> of different reasons stemming from the human condition and... You know, if you have a concept of the soul and morality and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I'm I'm not I don't want my daughter to think that, like, there's some smoke octopus brain in the universe that's making people be mean to her. You know, I, I want to say, like, the reason that that bully girl is a bully is because she's like not feeling good with herself. And the reason for that is because of the un, unrealistic uh, societal norms of beauty and uh, what women should be. And if she just had like more of a sense of self beyond that. You know, and that's great. This movie kind of goes for it, but it's almost, but it's just like a cop out to say because of a smoke cloud brain. You know, I feel like sure. the the movie takes the easy way out by never interrogating the the very real reasons that a person could grow to hate themselves and therefore hate the world. Sure, and I think <laughs> even our, our before principles, our, our principles I'm really. Sorry, wait, let's like, let's let Mike say what he was okay, say. okay, okay. I guess the other thing is, too, the reason why we are getting so into this, you know, for someone, whoever's still here, is because the movie, it's not like the movie's giving you other things to pay attention to. It, it's so spare throughout this whole thing and, and how it deals with these themes that right. you ha- like, you have to you have to think about them. You're like given nothing I, else. When I wrote my review of Annihilation for my personal site, DearFilm.net, I said this is like a great movie because if you want to think about like all the metaphysical concepts of what this could be doing, you can. But if you just want to see a person get attacked by a bear with a human scream, you can do that too. Like, but this uh-huh. movie doesn't really have anything else to hold on to. I don't think. I can't, I'm sure, again, I, I know that there are people out there who like this movie and I'm not trying to belittle their feelings towards a piece of media that may be important to them, but I can't imagine myself as a child and knowing the movies that I liked really like enjoying this even as a simple adventure tale. 
Yeah, no. Because they just keep kind of like plucking things out. Like, oh, let's talk to the flowers. The flowers are flying away. Let me turn into a kale monster. You can fly on top of me, but don't get too close to the tail because you're going to fall off. Um, and then, And then the flowers save him because apparently the flowers got where they were going. And then the two other witches were there too. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just... How like how did you Help. know where the flowers were? Why didn't you all just take the witch path? You know, and then I, and then after that, they're like, okay, so this is where your father got to, and it's like, well, I don't know where he is now, and the darkness is in the way, and they're like, well, let's go to the, let's go to Zach Galifianakis, and see what he's mm-hmm. all about, and then he's like, oh, he's on Camazots, and then they're like, oh, we can't go there, let's go to Earth and like regroup, and and Meg is like fuck that let's let's not go to earth and regroup we gotta go get my dad we know where he is and they're like yeah but now that we know where he is we can go there at any time but we have no plan and she's like nope we're going there and i'm just i'm just yeah. sitting here like they're, they're actually not- like like smart like they're like they're like no now is the time to plan like this is a good time to plan and she's like no yeah. it's not and you're like no literally this is a good time to plan. and she never <laughs> like- learns anything about that you know, uh-uh. like I, I kept expecting the movie because like mm-hmm. one of the early incidents is her decking a, a girl with a basketball, which I, I almost clapped in the theater. I won't lie. I'm a vengeful person. Oh. Um, and and I kept expecting that at some point she'd kind of learn the nicer lesson that the principal was trying to teach her because um, the principal's like, I know it's the four year anniversary of your father disappearing um, and you're getting bullied relentlessly for some reason because he disappeared. Um, but you got to calm the shit down. But like, I really kept expecting someone to say like, Meg, you, you, you want to help people so badly, but you have got to like wrestle the demon in you down to become a more, a more stable and like unifying and guiding presence. And then that would tie in with the whole warrior theme. Sure. But she never does, because then she just doesn't test her with her dad, and then she she gets paranormal a bit, and then they go home. And at this point, I don't know if the it is still around. I don't know if Camazots is still around. I don't know if they're like, well, that was a great first strike in the battle against the it, but, you know, you've got to go and fortify the earth because more is coming. It just kind of seems like... You know, oh, you went on a a mission trip, you dug a well, and now you should go home and teach other people to be selfless, too. Sure. Also, Chris Pine is kind of shitty in that he leaves, and it's not really addressed at all. He is a, he is a deadbeat dad. Like, I kept what expecting the them fuck? to, like, rescue him in some way, like, <laughs> well, as a character. He, he, says, he says to her, his final thing that he kind of says to her is... I wanted to shake hands with the universe, but sure. I should have been holding yours. Yep. What the fuck does that even mean? Who, like, who knows? It, the, first of all, did anyone else, his opening speech to her, it sounded like they were divorcing her. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. The, uh, it, we like, are, we are going to be, to be just just on yeah. the other side of love or whatever. Like, right. we'll oh, always yeah, love like, you. He's yeah, like, are that's you ready to really be fucking weird. And she's like, totally, totally. No, or, like, I'm worried, like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, look, think about all the things that happen in the universe to get your brother here. And then Oprah says a similar thing just about Meg yes. becoming herself, which is 
if you if you tilt that one degree away from the sun becomes a horrifying existential thought game for a child to do because sure. it's basically but, saying you're here on accident um yeah. but, yes but let's, but, let's but, glide past that but yeah they like they're like here's a little folding paper thing which admittedly is cool and they're like here's our love in the middle and then they just fold it away and she's like yeah. uh it's gone and they're like it's not gone. You just can't see it or feel it anymore, but it's always there. It's just unfolded. And that is legitimately the type of thing that you would say if you're like breaking up with someone. It's like, oh, wait, we'll always really love you. I thought, I, thought, <laughs> I thought they were getting a divorce. And then and then I was like, oh, they're talking about like her little brother, dude. And then I, w- yeah. I looked at I looked at uh, Mumu Mbatha Ra and I was like, Mumu she Mbatha does not Ra. have a belt. Goo goo Mbatha Ra. And yes. I looked at her belly and I was like, wait, she is definitely not pregnant. I was like, no, they're what about, is going on in this movie? They're like, hey, we're going to adopt a kid, which is, you know, great. That's, they, that's I don't think they um, say that. I don't think they say then, that, I just, though. I just, yeah, they did. Chris Pine is, that's like the first lines of the movie is he's like, you're going to meet your uh, new adopted brother. And she's adopted like, but brother? he's not okay. one of us or something. Okay. I definitely wow. knew that they were adopting. I, I did too. Yeah. But anyway, Sorry, so Bill. but it's just crazy because they're like, you know, you may not always feel it or miss see it, but it's still there. And that is just like an incredibly I guess that's a good thing to tell a kid, like, you know, there's gonna be days when I'm upset with you, or like there's gonna be days when it seems like I'm giving more attention to someone else. But trust me, I always love you. But like the way I just said it is a lot kinder than the way they said it. They legitimately mm. seem to be like Hey, every once in a while, fuck you. Um, <laughs> we've got another kid now, and you can't take priority. So, but we still like you. Here's a fucking paper thing. <sighs> anyway, this movie had a lot of problems. Um, I feel as though its message and its narrative and its direction and editing all were very disjointed and out of whack, and none of them served each other well. And uh, odds, yeah. And, you know, Mike, just like you said, like, Chris Pine is like a real shitty dad. But here's the thing. I feel like if your dad says he's going to get cigarettes and then, like, flies off to California to live with his secret family, he's an asshole. If your dad says he's going to get cigarettes and is then kidnapped by North Koreans, it's not entirely his fault. Yes. And I just don't know why, like... It seems like he he feels really bad about this, but like I have to assume that he believed he could get back and then he wouldn't be imprisoned by an all-powerful darkness. <laughs> but then yeah. he leaves her again, and I'm like, maybe he is just a piece of shit. I don't I don't know what's going on in this movie. Yeah, it's uh it's hard All to right. say. Super hard to say. Anyway, so that's it. Uh any final thoughts before we wrap up? My throat hurts. No. <laughs> I should have brought some ice water for this podcast. Anyway. I swear, I wanted to like this more, and I don't mean that in a performative bullshit way. I just, I'll, I wanted this to be better. <laughs> I, you know, okay, so I hated that opening scene, and then I kind, I didn't uh, like our introduction to the the kid, but I kind of dug like some of the school stuff, like the the scene of like the ba- the basketballs, and she's just standing there. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But that was like the most well-composed, long-shot, like, blocked thing that we got. And then after sure. that, it was a mishmash. Anyway, so let's go. Okay. Um, 
movie.com <laughs> slash film stage yes. for a free 30 day trial of movie. Check it out. There's some great stuff going there. Talked about Cali Blues at the top of the podcast. And of course, uh, it's got the best designed app that you could ever hope to see. Um, I just, it's great to scroll through. It's the perfect thing if you're one of those people who's like, I want to watch something new that I haven't seen before. And you don't want to get stuck in like a How I Met Your Mother or Frasier rabbit hole. You go on, you got 30 options. Boom, you're done. Um, so go to movie.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial to check out all the great stuff that's on there. Uh, again, patreon.com slash the film stage show. Give us your money. We'll be back next Woo. week, probably talking about thoroughbreds, unless some other indie pops up, or we decide nope. to just grit our teeth and talk about Tomb Raider. Walton! Favorite part of the Tomb Raider trailer, <laughs> Walton Goggins literally screaming, open the tomb. Anyway, so uh, let's uh, let's get out of here. Bill Graham, why don't you tell us where you can be found between now and the next time? You can find me looking up how to tesseract the hell out of this podcast and figure out what the hell she was thinking making this movie. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where I that went. Passion uh, project of hers, but yeah. I, I, I can feel the passion. Um, anyways, uh, at <laughs> at cable BFG on Twitter, and you can definitely find me mixing it up on the Slack channel. All right, Michael Snydell. Oh shit! You can find me uh, on Twitter at at Snydell, uh, and uh, I'll have an interview coming soon uh, that I can't say more about quite yet. Soonish, uh, so maybe that'll be up for the next podcast, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to give one more plug for Monique Jones's piece over at uh, Slash Film. It's a great read. It, it says everything that we were saying with a little more finesse because we kind of got unhinged towards the end. Um, you can find me on my personal site, dearfilm.net, where I got some new writing up about Annihilation. And, uh, of course, you can read my reviews and stuff over at filmstage.com and uh, twitter.com slash Brian J. Rowan. Uh, that's all for today. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this journey across the cinematic universe and tune in next time. If you're